Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, December 11th, 2023, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are continuing our study on the book of 1 Corinthians, and specifically we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. Well, Dr. Rick is the one on our team who takes out these books and uh, divides them up, subdivides them into lessons, and I'm not sure if he does this purposefully or if it truly is just the way it falls, but it always seems that I get the passages uh, that deal with sexual immorality, that, that deal with adultery, or that deal with anatomy. However, this morning, as we look at this passage in 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20, I hope that we will see something far greater than a, a, a truly intense warning against sexual immorality. I pray that we will also see the Lord pleading for us to know that our bodies are precious, that we were bought with a price, that we are not our own, and that ultimately our bodies are a temple of the holy and living God. You see, part of the core ministry problem that Lifeline was founded to address stems from sexual immorality. Sex misplaced from the grand design that the Lord gave it at creation. And I pray that we won't miss that the gospel hope of Lifeline's ministry to the sexually immoral, as well as to the children who have been a product of that sin, is that God is a God of redemption who has bought us with a price. You see, Jesus didn't just buy us when we were innocent children. He bought us when we were sinners. He bought us when we were vile rebels, and he sought after us. He, he, he came after us when we were rampantly immoral. Beloved, the gospel is redemption for the broken, restoration for the splintered, and a new life for those with whom sin has ruined. And so may this passage from 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20, not only be a caution against sexual immorality, but may it also be a glorious hope for all of us who have failed and fallen short of the glory of God. And so with that, let's look at Paul's words to this church in Corinth from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. All things are lawful for me, says Paul. And this would have been a a, a popular saying in Corinth. This was a slogan that they said. Remember, Corinth was was a bastion of art and sexual pleasure and multitude of gods. As a culture, it was as pagan as you could get. And they would say many times, all things are lawful for me. And so Paul takes that Corinthian saying and he says, but not all things are helpful. He says again, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be denied dominated by anything. Verse 13, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Verse 14, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. 
Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee, run away from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Four principles for the body that we see from this passage. And the first and foremost is the body is for the Lord. You see, God is not indifferent to what we do with our bodies. They matter to him and they matter a lot. You see, God paid for our bodies through the death of his son so that he could come to live in them. While our bodies are frail, when we come to Christ, they become his temple. When God saves us, he saves us entirely. He saves a person, body, soul, and spirit. That's why, that's why we're even commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. That takes our body, our spirit, and our soul. God came to redeem it all. The body is not just going to be destroyed. It's going to be raised. The body is not morally indifferent. It is for the glory of God. And in these verses that we just read, we see sexual immorality or porneia occurring three times throughout this small, short passage. But we also see the word soma or body. It occurs eight times. And then Paul uses the refrain, don't you know, three different times in this short passage. So what you don't know about your body and sexual immorality can hurt you. It can be dangerous to your spiritual health. Paul wants us to see, too, that sexual immorality here is not confined to adultery or to fornication. No, porneia includes all types of sexual immorality. Pornography, lust, and mutilation of the flesh. Beloved, we must care for our bodies. We must guard our bodies. We must protect our bodies, but we must also cherish our bodies. And here, to be said, we cannot try to cosmetically rearrange our bodies, but we must look at our bodies as the handiwork of God. In this culture, we have an image or a worldly standard that we all believe we have to live up to. Commercials flaunt what the world finds as attractive and appeasing. But this type of glorification of the body is lustful and pornographic. And so, sisters, if you're listening, I want you to know you measure up. Please don't look in the mirror and see anything less than the image of God and the fingerprints of his creativity. He made your body. He formed your body. He knit it together in your mother's womb, and it says he was well pleased. The Lord built your frame. He fashioned you. And all of my sisters, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not your own. Please don't let your mind play tricks on you when you look in the mirror. Your frame was made in the secret. Your frame was crafted by a loving creator, God. Don't compare your beauty to another, but see your beauty in the sight of a creator and a creator, creative God. 
You are God's temple. You are his dwelling place. But then, brothers, if you're listening, we might not seek outward beauty as something to be looked at, but we must also seek the inner beauty of our wives and our sisters in Christ. Let us flee from the world's temptations and lures. And brother, God has uniquely gifted each one of us with unique gifts and abilities to serve, not like clones of whom we deem to be most successful, but to succeed in exactly what the Lord has set before us. Brothers, you are not your own. Your body is the temple of the Most High. Use your body to glorify God in exactly the way he has equipped you. When I was in high school, I had the opportunity to be a ball boy for the University of Alabama uh, basketball team. And part of the, the ways that we did is really our glorified job was to wipe the sweat up from the players as they were playing. And I remember we were not able to serve every game, but we had so many games each season that we were able to be a ball boy for. And I just so happened to be able to be assigned the game, the home game where LSU was playing Alabama. And at the time, they had this freshman phenom named Shaquille O'Neal. And for Alabama, we had Robert Ory and, and David Benoit and Latrell Sprewell. And it was fascinating as a high schooler to be able to sit there and to watch these specimen of men play basketball. Well, I, I loved basketball. And, and actually, because uh, of, of my growth spurt, I actually was able to play center a lot of times on our basketball teams or power forward. But as I sat there that day with LSU playing Alabama and I saw the specimen of Shaquille O'Neal with those huge feet and that giant wingspan and that tall, tall frame, I realized that I would never be able to be the specimen, the physical specimen of Shaquille O'Neal. But you know what, beloved? God didn't create me to be an NBA basketball player. Brothers, sisters, we cannot compare the way that God has made us to another, but we must realize that we were not built for ourselves. The body is not for us. It's not for our glorification. It is for the Lord and his glory. The body is for the Lord. But then second, we need to know that Jesus is for the body. 1 Corinthians 6, 14 to 15 reminds us that God raised the Lord and he will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? And, and it goes on, so shall I then take the member of Christ and make the members of a prostitute? Never. We must remember that ultimately Jesus is for the body. We are his temple. We are his workmanship. And so we guard our bodies because our body is not for ourselves. The body is for the Lord, but Jesus is for the body. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, Paul tells the church at Rome, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, the Lord has saved us to use us for his glory and our good. Our body is the temple of Jesus, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Think about the sacredness of the temple of God, the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It had to have the right items in the right place and have the right person to enter at the right time. And yet our bodies are now the true temple, the dwelling place of God's presence. We don't have the right items. Oh, but Jesus does. 
We aren't the right place, but Jesus makes us the right place by his perfect standard. We aren't the right person, nor do we make it at the right time. But praise be to God, he sent forth his son at the right time and at the right place to make us holy, spotless, and without blemish. We are the right temple for Jesus. In Exodus 40, after Moses and the people had erected the temple perfectly and precisely the way they were commanded, we see in Exodus 40, verse 34 through 35, the glory of the Lord fill the temple. And a lot of Bible reading plans fall short in Exodus when we get past the Ten Commandments of Exodus 20. And from Exodus 20 to Exodus 39, we see all the intricacies of the temple. You see, beloved, the gospel of God makes us a perfect temple, not scarlet yarn, not the perfect showbread table, not the lampstands, not the Ark of the Covenant. What makes our bodies the perfect temple is the grace of God that Jesus died to redeem our bodies. And because he has redeemed our bodies, listen to the words of Exodus 40, 34 through 35 and realize that he fills your body, your temple the same way. It says, verse 34, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Then we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, that Solomon builds what was to be the permanent temple in Jerusalem. It was the temple that was promised to his father David, but that the prophet had told David, you will not build this temple, but your son will build it. And, and Solomon has built this temple, this erected temple, not a tabernacle that would be picked up and, and would move and, and would go by a cloud by day and a fire by night. But now we see a temple, a, a, a temple made of cedar, a temple made of indestructible pieces in Jerusalem. Yeah, it would be destructed, but at the time it was perfect. It was made in the right way with the right description. In 2 Chronicles 7 verse 1 through 3 tells us this, as Solomon finished praying and dedicating the temple, fire came down from heaven and it consumed the burnt offering and it consumed the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest they could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Beloved, Jesus, his glory and his goodness is meant for your body as a temple of the Lord. Therefore, as Paul instructs the Corinthians, guard the temple and do not unite the temple with sexual immorality. Paul quoted the Corinthian phrase in verse 12, all things are lawful for me. You see, they were flaunting the grace of God and the liberty of God. Corinth, as we said, it was a bastion of pleasure, sex, alcohol, art, and sensual pleasure. Our culture truly is modern day Corinth. And Paul is reminding us all things are not helpful. Do not be dominated by any worldly thing. Beloved, liberty is not to be flaunted. The grace of God is not to be flaunted. We are not to give in to sensual pleasure, rampant sex, abusive to art and alcohol and pleasure. The body is for the Lord. 
Jesus is for the body. But then the third thing we see is that God will raise the body. You see, our bodies are not finally destined to be eaten by worms. Ultimately, they are headed to a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. Death is not the final word for a Christian. A resurrected and glorified body is. Just as Jesus was raised by the Lord from the dead and the Lord gave him an everlasting resurrected body, so he will raise our bodies from the dead and make them new and whole. I'm not criticizing, but the reason that the tradition in the Christian church has been to bury our dead and not to cremate our dead is not because we thought that those bones would, would, would be something that would, would, would remain in the ground. It was not because we didn't think our bodies would not see decay in our dirt beds. No, it was because we were, it was our final last act of faithfulness saying, I'm going to be buried whole because I know I will be raised whole. You see, we will be resurrected. We will identify others the way we identify ourselves now. Our body will be redeemed. Jesus' resurrected body, it had the nail scars in his arms and in his wrist and in his feet. The disciples recognized him. Beloved, just as God raised Jesus from the dead and gave him an everlasting resurrected body, so he will raise our bodies and give us one new and whole. And our resurrected bodies will have no more pain, no more physical abnormalities, no more disabilities, no more chemical imbalances, no more disease of any kind. We will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. Matthew 13, 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. We guard our bodies today because our bodies will be resurrected for the glory of the Lord. And where we are headed in the future should impact how we live today. What God will do with my body in the future should affect what I do with my body today. As believers, we belong body, soul, and spirit to one Lord. And any unholy union with anyone else is a betrayal of our union with Christ now and for our resurrected bodies in the future. Sexual immorality mutilating our bodies in all of its form is something that we should run from as fast as we can. We flee pornea. Oh, beloved, don't even let it get close. Flee, run, sprint, get away from sexual immorality. But then the body is for the Lord. Jesus is for the body. God will raise the body. But as a reminder, God dwells now in the body. You see, when we repent of sin and trust in Christ, God comes to live inside each and every one of us by his Holy Spirit. We are God's possession. That's why Paul says, you are not your own. We no longer live for ourselves. We belong to him. He bought us as for a price, a great price. Our bodies, therefore, should be our worship, our spiritual act of worship in response to so great a salvation that we have in Jesus. So to borrow from Paul's words later in 1 Corinthians, found in chapter 10, verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. God owns all things, and he owns us. We have laid down our lives. We have taken up our cross 
We have pledged our allegiance to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Therefore, he rightly deserves all of us, all of our time, all of our talent, all of our treasure. We are his temple where he is pleased to dwell. Oh, beloved, may the truth of this passage and the warning of this passage remind us to guard our bodies. But may it also embolden us to introduce the redemption and reconciliation of Jesus to the vulnerable woman, to the vulnerable family, to the vulnerable child, to those that are hurting, to those who are far away, to those who may have sexual immorality burning in their flesh. Let us remind them of the hope of Jesus. Thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. We are praying this week for our birth mother ministry and our pregnancy counseling ministry, specifically praying for those women who we will meet, that they will find us, that the women who are on Lifeline staff that, that minister to them would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then ultimately that we could help these women see who they are in Christ and that their bodies were made by God, are for God, for Jesus, that they are the dwelling place of God and that they will be resurrected. Let's pray for our pregnancy counseling ministry. Lord God, we do pray that our pregnancy counselors would be filled with the Holy Spirit as they minister to pregnant and expectant women. We pray for their dependence upon you and you alone. We ask that our pregnancy counselors would personally have rich spiritual lives so that they could overflow gospel witness to their clients. I thank you for these precious women who serve our expectant moms. I thank you for the way that they love these moms. I thank you for the way they sacrifice for these moms, how they are on call at all times. Lord, I pray that you would guard their hearts. pray that you guard their minds. I pray that you would strengthen them in their ministry. And Lord, I pray for your favor in the lives of our pregnancy counselors as they partner with local hospitals and medical professionals. I pray that you would open up doors so they would make new connections in all of the communities that Lifeline works with and in all 50 states as we seek to serve women going through crisis, unexpected, unwanted pregnancies. And Father, I, I pray that you would be with our pregnancy counselors as, as they work with and network with pregnancy resource centers. I just ask that they would have meaningful gospel partnerships with centers all over the country so that we could be an extension and a partnership in that ministry. Oh, and Lord God, I pray. I pray that you would be with these precious women. I pray that, that you would, would watch over them and, and keep them and, and, and that you would bring them to us so that we could ultimately introduce them to you. Oh God, I pray that women who are finding out that they are pregnant today would call Lifeline, where they would hear the hope of the gospel, but also the truth of the life inside of them, but expandedly, Lord, even the life that they are, that they were made by God, that they were formed in your image, and that they bear the marks of you, their creator. Oh God, multiply exponentially the women that we are able to help. Bring them to us so that we can bring them to you. It's in your great name that we pray, the name of Jesus. 
Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music